Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 8 through 16, a beloved brother. The scripture says that your sins and my sins, when we've repented and called on the Lord Jesus, are as far as the east is from the west, cast into the deepest part of the sea. That means that the Lord has forgiven you and then chose to forget. He's chosen to forget what you've done. Though he could remember forever, he chooses to forget your sins and forgive. And that forgiveness is the only reason that you and I can stand tonight and have confidence and move forward and have hope in this life because of the forgiveness that we have received. And so far be it from us to not be people who forgive and seek reconciliation. And if there was a theme of this book, of this letter, it is the idea of forgiveness and reconciliation. By, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's John 13, 35. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more important, more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own desires and interests only, but also to the interests of others. And you know who exemplified that perfectly? Jesus. Jesus lived his life always looking to the needs of others. And it's refreshing when you meet people like that, isn't it? When you meet people who are more concerned about people around them than themselves. And you know what also happens when you're not self-absorbed? You find freedom. There is freedom when you're not hyper-focused on self. And if you have... Uh, matured in your faith and you found this to be true, you know the freedom that comes with not being so consumed with self. And it is something that uh, takes a daily surrendering. Every morning when you wake up, you have to ask God to help you die to self. Amen? And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit to change us, to control the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we speak, the way that we handle division in different situations like this that are so difficult. Verse 14, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but out of your own accord. See, Paul is saying, I don't want you to do it out of obligation. I want you to do it because it's what you should do out of love for Christ. And then he says in 15, for this perhaps is why Onesimus parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. I appreciate that Paul is willing to say perhaps. This was an interesting um, side note that I saw pointed out that Paul doesn't have to be emphatic about it. Maybe some of us are too quick to be emphatic. I've been in ministry for a long time, like I said, and uh, there have been many times where somebody comes up uh, after a service and they come to the stage and they, they want to tell me exactly why God did what he did. And I'm like, Maybe, (laughs) but I don't know. I'm not God and I don't have a glimpse into the eternal. Maybe that's why God allowed that thing to happen. So just a word to the wise. We ought to really be careful when we speak emphatically, unless it is a black and white thing in scripture. 
And I also want to point this out. Paul doesn't hit him with the Romans 8.28. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, I know Onesimus really wronged you, but, you know, the Lord works all things together for good, brother. Amen? Sometimes that's not what you need to say. They know that. And sometimes when you're in the midst of a really frustrating situation, the last thing you want is somebody to be like, hey, well, you know what I mean, brother? Romans 8.28. God works all things together. Sometimes you're like, hey, can you shut up? I don't want to hear that right now. I'm really angry. Now, that person is right, but timing is key. (laughs) And Alistair Begg pointed that out, and I thought that was worth noting. He doesn't shove scripture down Onesimus' Philemon's throat. No, Philemon knows. He knows what he needs to do. And that's what Paul is expecting from him. I know that you know the right thing to do. So here I am, the Apostle Paul, and I am saying, hey, do the right thing. From one brother to another, from one Christian to another, do the right thing. Forgive him and take him back. And I've made that mistake many times, maybe slapping a scripture on somebody when what they really need is just an ear to hear. And if you're married, you know this. (laughs) All the women are like, are you listening? You know, (laughs) because we want to fix it, guys, right? We want to fix the problem. Who said what? I'm going down there right now. And I have a daughter now, and I, I would just say, if there are any young men in about 18 years watching this, just don't. Just don't even, okay? Because I own a lot of guns, and also just, that's my baby girl, and so don't even, okay? I'm going to be, re- it's going to be tough, okay? Mom's going to have to handle the date nights, because I'm going to kill somebody. Uh, and I, you know, those of you who have daughters, and I know I'm married, and I, I married somebody's daughter, so thank you, Husto, for putting up with me, but I just can't even imagine. I wanted sons for this reason. I'm glad I have a daughter. It's the greatest thing, but it is terrifying. And it's just, it's one of these things that oftentimes we want to fix the situation. Maybe it's outside of a marriage. You just want to fix it. But sometimes maybe you just are the shoulder to to cry on. Maybe you're just the ear to hear. And when the Holy Spirit presents the opportunity, then maybe that's the time for you to speak truth into somebody's life. But sometimes maybe we need to be, you remember that? We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I think it's key that Paul takes a moment to work uh, through this letter and he encourages Philemon first and then he approaches the difficult subject and says, look, brother, take Onesimus back. Oh, how different the church would look if every word that we said was filtered through the Holy Spirit first. How different our lives would look. How different the explore page on Instagram when I see other pastors speaking would look. Because sometimes I hear things said and I'm like, oh no, that's not, that's not what that scripture means. That scripture's not about you, friend. You're not David. Just so you know, you're not David. In the story of David and Goliath, you're not slaying giants, friend. You're the Israelite army hiding in the background. (laughs) I heard a pastor talking about how we're not David. Jesus is David. Jesus slays the the giants. We're the Israelites cowering in the background. (laughs) And so sometimes we just need to think about what we say. Amen? Verse 16, this is our last verse for tonight. I would encourage you to hang out for a minute because we still got another passage to go through. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you? He says, he is your brother 
in Christ. And so take him back, not as a slave anymore, but as what? A brother. A brother. And I wonder, I wonder if more of us viewed the people sitting in this room and the people in our lives who share the faith, if we viewed each other as siblings, as, as adopted into the family of God, level ground before the cross, how much differently we would respond in situations and we would handle disagreements with each other and differences of opinion. And I've watched my fair share of uh, disagreements unfold in the walls of the church. And it's really a sad narrative when that happens. Because we need to get back to the basic principles that unite you and I, which is Jesus Christ. The hope that we have in a God who is worthy, though we are unworthy. He's made us righteous through his blood. John Calvin says this. It's in Old English, but hear this, it's so good. It would be a sign of haughty pride if we should be ashamed to count our brother as Uh, ashamed to count as our brother those whom God has made his sons. Let me read that again. It would be a sign of haughty pride if we should be ashamed to count as our brothers those whom God has made his sons. Some of us need to refocus and we need to start viewing people through the, the view that Christ sees them as family. And let's be honest, the church is riddled with pride and haughtiness and facades. And prideful men and women have done a lot of damage to the church. And so the call for us tonight is to lay aside our pride and to be grounded on these fundamental principles that unite us. On the person of Jesus Christ that unites us. And an interesting thing that is worth noting is that when these principles are applied correctly and in truth, the idea of slavery becomes unacceptable for you as a Christian. Amen? Slavery no longer is in line with the Bible when you begin to look at these fundamental Christian principles about how we are created equal, we all stand condemned without Jesus. And Paul says in another passage, brothers, we ought not to think too highly of ourselves. But what Paul is asking is not just rare, it's unheard of. That Onesimus would be taken back, not just as a slave again, but as a brother, as a family member. Would you turn with me as we close tonight to one of my favorite passages in scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. This is probably one of my favorite accounts in the Bible. 2 Samuel 9. To give you some background, Jonathan has died. Saul has died. And David has taken over as king of Israel. And there's this story back in chapter 4. In 2 Samuel 4.4. And we know that Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. It's an interesting name. And I heard uh, somebody who I greatly respect 
uh, John Markham Hill, and he's a singer and songwriter, and he was sharing this story, and he said, I believe Mephibosheth would be more popular if it was a more brandable name. <laughs> he said, but it's hard to put Mephibosheth in children's books. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into was requested by a listener, anxiety. What is it and how do you work through it? And it catches you off guard when people do occasionally. You say, hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden the cashier at your local grocery store starts telling you how their day is actually going. And it almost catches us off guard because we are so busy. And I think busyness is a huge contributor to anxiety. But I think that's a key thing is that Jesus takes his anxiety first and foremost to his heavenly father. So if we can kind of combine two ideas of what you shared, Pastor Shane. One is that Jesus took it to the Father in prayer. And that's a key. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer Mm -hmm. and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So that's a wonderful remedy. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, on Walk in Truth. And I heard uh, somebody who I greatly respect, uh, John Markhamville, and he's a singer and songwriter, and he was sharing this story, and he said, I believe Mephibosheth would be more popular if it was a more brandable name. (laughs) He said, but it's hard to put Mephibosheth in children's books. But we know that Mephibosheth was lame in both of his feet. And what happened, and we know this from 2 Samuel chapter 4, if you turn uh, one or two pages over real quick with me, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, look at verse 4. It says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet, and he was five years old when the news of Saul and Jonathan came from uh, Jezreel. And his nurse, in a panic, took him and fled. And as she fled, in her haste, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Now jump back to chapter 9. So the dynasty is changing. And those who are part of the king's people who are now conquered are in trouble. The way that things usually worked is if you were a part of the old regime, you were wiped out. You were killed. You were slaughtered. Because you are enemy to the new king. And so David is now in control, and he says, 2 Samuel 9, verse 9, David said, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. 
And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to God, uh, the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. This is Mephibosheth. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Makir, the son of Emil at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Makir, or Machir, I don't know how you say that, and the son of Emil at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, uh, son of Saul, he's the grandson of uh, Solomon, or Saul, excuse me, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. Now, can you imagine, let's pause for a moment, being Mephibosheth. Band, you guys can come out. I want you to hear this story. Um, because it's, it's just so important for our text tonight. So Mephibosheth is crippled from a young age. The new dynasty has come in, and here, uh, I don't know if they heard me, it's okay. Everybody's looking at the door like, <laughs> and Mephibosheth is summoned. Now, if you're Mephibosheth, you're like, I'm toast. I'm like one of the last people remaining. I can't run away. And you have to imagine where Mephibosheth is at. In this day and age, if you do not have the ability to work the field or to make wages with physical work or fight, you are pretty much out to dry. There's not much that you can do to make money. It would be difficult, almost impossible to marry because you have no way of making income and women could not really work. And so when we put the pieces together, what we can gather is that more than likely, however long it's been, we're going to guess that Mephibosheth at this point is now a young man, maybe in his early 20s. And some time has gone by since this happened. And he's crippled and he's a beggar. And people know where he's at because he's a beggar. And maybe he begged on the side of the road and that's how he was making ends meet. Maybe that's how he was able to eat food is by collecting whatever people would be willing to give him. And so he's called before King David. And you have to imagine Mephibosheth in this situation thinks that he's going to be killed. He is technically, as Jonathan's son, the rightful heir to the throne. He is an enemy of King David by the law and uh, by dynasties comparatively. They're enemies. And he does not yet know that David's desire is to honor his good friend Jonathan, who has since passed, the, the father of Mephibosheth. And so Mephibosheth appears before King David and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant? Mephibosheth said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? And then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring him produce and that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson shall, grandson, shall always eat at my table. And now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. And so Mephibosheth ate at David's table 
like one of the king's own sons. I remember the first time that I read that story, I realized that I am Mephibosheth, that I was an enemy to God. I was separated from him because of my sin, guilty and condemned, worthy of death. But because of who my father is, I get a seat at the king's table. David Gusick commenting on this passage says, David questions, David's questions show a great love because Saul made himself an enemy of David. It was customary in those days that the king of the new dynasty to, would completely massacre anyone connected to the prior dynasty. David went against the principle of revenge and against the principle of self-preservation and asked that he could do for the family what he could do for the family of his enemy. Mephibosheth and David were enemies. But because of who Mephibosheth's father was, he got a seat at the king's table. Friend, tonight, because of who your heavenly father is, though your sin is deserving and you are deserving of death and I am deserving of death, I'm deserving of the fires of hell, I'm deserving of being separated from Jesus Christ forever. Because of who my heavenly father is, I get a seat at the king's table. And I wonder if that reality hits us, if it really hits us tonight, that because of what Jesus has done, I get to be an heir to the throne. I get a seat at the king's table. We need to see how dirty and broken we really are. And until we start to see ourselves in light of our sin and the things that we've done, we will never fully understand the greatness, the majesty, the the might of the forgiveness that's been bestowed upon us. Our culture tonight says, put you first. The gospel in Jesus says, die to yourself, put others first. The gospel is offensive because it challenges everything that sinful man wants. But you and I as believers and as ambassadors for Jesus are called to love when everything in the world says to hate. And that is the call. That is the challenge to Philemon that Paul proposes. That he would love a man that he doesn't need to love. That owes, that he owes nothing to. That is an enemy. And Paul says, Philemon, Love him because Christ has loved you first. That is the gospel. And that is why so many scholars would call Philemon a gospel in miniature. Because Romans 5, 8 says, Paul writing to the church, while we were still dead in our sin, enemies to God, Christ died for us. It is the greatest love that mankind has ever seen. It is the greatest sacrifice that we've ever known. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writing to the church in Corinth says, in chapter 5, verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You have been called to the ministry of reconciling. And so in a culture that wants to hate when at all possible, when looks for division... When at all possible, the call on your life as a Christian tonight is to seek unity in Christ, to bridge the gap. 
how good of a job are you and I doing of that tonight? Are we intentional in bridging the gap between us and those around us? Or do we look at petty peripheral issues and we let them divide us? Do we gossip and slander and backbite? All the things that Paul warns the New Testament church about. Because in our human nature, we're so prone to do all those things. We are called to forgive. And I'm reminded of the old hymn that says, Man of Sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. He sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless, we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be? Hallelujah, what a Savior. For lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And so when he comes, our glorious King, all that he's ransomed home he'll bring. And then anew this song we'll sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I'm sorry I'm a baby. But you know, I have my fair share of struggles. I have my doubts. And this life that we're called to live is tough. Right? It's hard to do these things. And I was so convicted as I studied this passage because I know that I have unforgiveness in my heart. And before I came down here tonight, I spent some time and I just sought the Lord and I asked him to forgive me for the times that I've been unforgiving. For the times that I've allowed things to be a foothold for the enemy in my life because I refuse to lay aside my pride. And I think if there's one thing that this study so far has impressed upon my heart is how guilty and vile I am without Jesus. And so my desire tonight is not to coerce you into tears or to convince you of anything, but to just remind you that without Jesus, you and I are nothing. And the message of this book and this letter is to forgive and then forget. And in that moment, Christ can do so much. You've been listening to A Beloved Brother, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 8 through 16. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to say thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We're over halfway through the year and you've raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast, equipping people with God's truth. Now we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in car or at home is still free for listeners. In fact, most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program 
and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We're looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we'd love to become fully funded by listeners, and this will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and then click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, and his final teaching in Philemon called Refresh My Heart in Christ. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.